You're listening to the Wanderlust Swingers Podcast with Aussie hosts Kate and Daryl. If you're curious about exploring your sexuality or the swinging, hot wifing and non-monogamous lifestyle, you've definitely come to the right podcast. Or maybe you just love travel adventures. Either way, we share our personal, sometimes juicy, sexy stories as well as swingers club and event reviews, interviews with other sassy people and of course our global swinging adventures. We try to bring you a look into the diverse lifestyle that the swinging and non-monogamous community has. We hope you enjoy. Now let's get into the episode. Hi guys, g'day and welcome back. I'm sitting here at the dining room table of the John and Jackie household. John and Jackie being from Open Love 101 and Colette Club. Uh, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank We're you. Excited. Now, I'm also sitting here, obviously, with Jay and Angie from the Average Swingers podcast because I've been living with them as their flatmate and haven't left yet. So, frankly, they're here. Welcome. Welcome, guys. Welcome I'm back. I'm just a driver. <laughs> Anal. It, until we start talking. Yeah. <laughs> well, if it's a subject, I'm interested. <laughs> but what we thought we'd talk about today is actually a little bit about the evolution of the lifestyle, you know, many, many years of experience sitting in front of me at this table and um, how it's evolved to what it's looked like and, I don't know, maybe some predictions from the future. But, John, you were just about to bring up a good point about when you first started in the lifestyle, and let's talk about that phrase in particular. Yeah, you know, I think we were – Jay had brought up that today young people don't label themselves as being in the lifestyle or anything, really. And I was saying when I was young in 18, 19, I didn't label myself either. I just – I had a just a good time. We had uh, – I moved from Wichita, Kansas, because I didn't fit in in Kansas, to Tampa, Florida. And my very first night there, I got picked up by two girls at a bar. One of them was a lesbian, and the other one wanted to get with her and said, will you take me home so I can get with my girlfriend? She won't do anything, blah, blah, blah. And so we ended up doing that, and that was my first threesome. And then not long after that, we had an orgy. And so I didn't know what it was. I just know it was fun. fun, and I really enjoyed it. And I think I've been like that ever since, so... It wasn't until I went to Europe in the mid-90s to a club in Amsterdam, and I'm like, oh, this is what I am. <laughs> and that's the first time I labeled myself. Yeah. I think in the 70s, we would, have, we would have got to where we're at now with the younger people a lot quicker had you know the 80s and AIDS not rolled by. That put everything back a lot. Oh, that's true. But uh, the, the people now are just hooking up. They just call it hooking up. They, they, yeah. When we started swinging, we thought the lifestyle – we were meeting people to have sex and we had to, you know, think about this and go do this and look for it. And now they're just like, Oh no, you just get on your phone, swipe left or right. Or I, I don't know. <laughs> Somebody meets you. Uh, and then you guys diagonally, have sex. Or you don't know which way it's gone. You, you know that they swipe, but I know they swipe. I don't know which way. I don't, <laughs> I, if I thought I could, you know, do all right. One of those apps, I'd, I'd probably give it a shot, but I don't see that working for me. <laughs> so here's a question then with with new people coming up and not wanting to I guess label what they're doing do you think that there is you know there was a taboo on the word swinging and swingers do you think there's a slight taboo on the word lifestyle then do people look at it maybe oh it's not a lifestyle it's just something I do on Friday night with my friends like no no big deal or do you think it's just that they don't know to call it that I think they don't know I don't think you would know the word lifestyle as it relates to swingers until you were in it because really, lifestyle can be many, many things. You can be in the BDSM lifestyle. You can be in the foodie lifestyle. Or I don't know. I mean, there are many kind of lifestyles out there. I think swinger still has a negative connotation to it, though. And we've, in the past few years, have really tried in our marketing to pull away from that a little bit and be more inclusive of other things like poly, open, using the word 
consensual non-monogamy or ethical non-monogamy more than I ever did. I mean, back in the mm, 2000, when we were first opening clubs, the only word we used was swinger. There wasn't anything else to define what we were doing. Today, there's many words that define it. It's interesting you talk about the SEO side of it, so I'm going to nerd out a little bit on you here, but actually, I was looking into that as well. Well, how do we, I guess, capture more people that might be starting to explore but don't necessarily call it that? And so what are they Googling? What are they looking for information on these things? And non-monogamy and consensual non-monogamy and ethical non-monogamy are trending upwards, but actually swinger and swingers and swinging still continue to trend upwards as well. So even though I think in our circles we might see the use of those terms decreasing, actually the internet or the analytics on Google actually suggest otherwise, that people are continuing, but they're also then using these other words as well. So there you go, a little bit of nerd information. And threesomes. Yes. Threesomes is big. And a lot of people over the years, they don't consider – I remember in New Orleans we opened the club there, and I went to some of the strip clubs to promote – Colette in New Orleans and the the dancer would say, yeah, you know, we're not into swinging. And I'd carry on the conversation a little bit further. And she would, yeah, my husband and I, we bring girls home from the club all the time and have threesomes. I'm like, well, that's what we do too. You know, it's the same thing. It's just a different way to look at it. And I think today it's the same. People look for threesomes. That's, that's like, what do you call those entry level drugs to cocaine or heroin? <laughs> Why are you looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> it's like dipping your toe in the in the waters with the threesome, and then yeah, the starter, the uh, what the first taste it. No, sorry, that, that is drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the the threesomes. I, I don't even know where you'd look for a threesome besides going to strip clubs. They do it. Where do you without getting online and everything? The same thing on those apps. You swipe left or swipe right. Yeah, I would say apps, but my friends in Australia, I don't know what it is, but they pick up people from the bar, girls from the bar all the time. Just regular bars. Regular bars, regular vanilla people. There'll be a girl at the bar, they'll start to talk to her, and then the next thing you know, they're taking her home, which just astounds me that that still happens with the apps because it's so easy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like ordering food now. Just swipe, swipe, swipe. <laughs> Some people like the personal connection, not necessarily looking at an app. Yeah. I think if you go out on a date from an app, you're, you're committed to something. At least an hour or two. That's true. There, they just go to the bar and they can turn and walk away at any point. <laughs> that is true. And that's what I tell people, like, what's great about going to a, a swingers club is you can actually meet the people that you may end up hooking up with. And if you go on a blind date through an app, yeah. you may find that there's not a connection there. And you're not wasting as much time at a, at a, at a club. Well, I, I hate the online dating thing, so I, I don't know if the app would be any better or not. But anytime we start to like do chatting, email back and forth or whatever the hell, you might as well go ahead and forget about it for me because I'm just going to lose them. <laughs> Apparently, I am good in person. Not so good if you actually got to read what I'm trying to type and say. <laughs> then my dumbness comes through and they're like going, you understand what grammar is? <laughs> I'm like going, he's that rapper, right? He's yeah. country grammar, right? No, no, not that one. I don't know then. <laughs> That's oh. a fancy word that my English teacher used to use. Weird. This is part of the reason we started doing the minglers and stuff, because I'm like, I need to meet people in person. <laughs> they like me better in person. <laughs> it's a gateway drug, by the way. Yes. yes. Gateway oh. drug. Thank you. Well, I mean, let, let's talk about meeting in, meeting in person then. I mean, I don't, well, we'll start with you, Jackie. What have you seen as a difference in how people are engaging and meeting other people and I guess then we can start to fold into expectations on what we think is going to happen in the future as well. Have you noticed any changes over the past few years? Well, I mean, I, I definitely with the introduction of certain online sites, 
it makes it it makes it really easy for for people to to meet up, you know, because they can they can just swipe and then they. I mean, I've even done it. You know, I do the swipe, and then the next thing you know, you're texting, and then you're scheduling a time to get together, and then there it is. It's like it's phone. like you said. It's like ordering food. It's kind of crazy <laughs> 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 that our mindset is that. But I notice it in the younger generation. I know several twenty-something girls that I kind of go to for their opinions about things and um, hooking up. That was a phrase that we talked about earlier. That's really prevalent uh, with with the younger people. There, there's not this sense of um, a need for attachment um, when they're younger. It's it's really more about exploration. I think you know. In my generation, we were all about my whole goal in going to college was to find a husband so that I could get married and have kids, and that was what my job was. That's what I was supposed to do. But that is not what I'm seeing with with younger people. And so I think that the introduction of, of some of these sites and with the clubs people getting together, it just seems like it's easier. More I don't convenient. Know. Yeah, more convenient. There's not so much of a... I, I don't feel like there's much of a stigma around it, but of course I don't, I don't think there's a stigma to what I do personally, so it's hard for me sometimes to see the stigma from, from outside. So I'm, I can ignore it so easily. But I don't know. I don't, you know, like I have nine years of experience in this, so I don't, I don't really know. I don't see the difference as much as somebody like John or, or you guys would see. Well, and you were different too. I mean, when we first got together, you told the bank that you worked for and your mom that I own swingers clubs and you were thinking about getting in that lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I'm like, did you know that you can do this? I mean, hey, listen to this. This is amazing. Like, I can go on a date, and John's like, yes, go. I'm like, this is, like, my head is exploding. You know, and it didn't dawn on me that people might be like, wait, you can't really talk about that. Publicly, yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, watch me. Tons. You can talk publicly about it. You can write books about it. I can. All kinds of stuff. I can. (laughs) I can and I did. Yes. What about you, Angie? Like hosting the meet and greets over so many years now, have you noticed a change in the people that are coming, what their expectations are on the meet and greet, how they interact with each other? Um, Yeah. I I think I've also seen a change in us as hosts. When we first started them, uh, the point of it was to – meet a bunch of people at one time because we couldn't go out to dinner all the time every day of the week so we had listeners in the area and they wanted to meet us and we're like okay well we can't we're going to just do this everybody's going to meet here at this place it was a vanilla bar and i think maybe 20 people showed up and what half of them are close friends anyway so that's how we started a meet and greet it was to get um it was to get new people in and give them a positive experience on the on the initial walk in, you know, so and then we've had, I think it, we've advanced over the years. Is that now is like he gets he gets a little upset with me. Jay does because I make him dress up, dress nice, because for these newbies now is like we are the first people that they see when they walk in. So we are representing our lifestyle. We're representing our community. We need to be good at it. We need to do good at it. Now when we're not hosting, that's something different. I mean, well, that's a good thing as well. So I'll move over to you now, Jay. Like, what responsibility do you think that hosts of meet and greet, club owners, 
event planners, what responsibility do you think they have to represent the lifestyle, not only within our own community, but then externally to the broader public? They got a lot Aside of Aside from wearing a button-up shirt, which Angie makes you do, do you know, that and shoes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> they actually got a lot of responsibility. I, I want them to have a lot of responsibility because a lot of new people, that's, that's their first thing. They're going to a club, they're going to a meet and greet, they're going to some kind of an event. And this is how they're entering the lifestyle. And if they meet an asshole, they think everybody's an asshole. And I mean, I say that I'm an asshole all the time, but I try to be decent to people when I meet them. I mean, so I, I, I want everybody to really take that responsible, you know, really take it to heart and be a good ambassador for the lifestyle. Just maybe the person you're talking to isn't the person you really want to play with or be with or whatever the hell, but the person they bring in, maybe. So if, but if they have a bad experience with you or they think, oh my God, these people are just trash. What am I doing? Yeah, you're giving them a first back, impression. Yeah. They're not bringing anybody else with them. They're not, you know, you're not, when you meet one person, you're not meeting one person. You're meeting everybody they're going to leave there and go talk to if they have a great time. Or you're meeting everybody they're going to go talk to if they have a bad time. And you need to remember that. So speaking about that then, do you, if you get a couple along that maybe just isn't vibing with people or is perhaps representing things that you think is not where you'd like to sit, do you vet these people out because you're worried about maybe them casting, I guess, their their issues or concerns or the way that they approach things onto new people? Like, would you vet those people actively and say, they're not a part of our group anymore because you're worried about, you know, people interacting with them and getting the wrong impression? There's only ever been one couple that I have told, you can't come to any of our stuff. And they kept signing up to our stuff and I kept kicking the hell off and telling them again and again, you cannot come to our stuff. I do not want you there. You're not good people. Everybody that's else. One couple in nine years. Well, there's been other couples that I'd rather not have back, but most of them, because the group that we, the way we act is the way our group starts to act and the people we bring around. Yes. Right. So they automatically start to feel a little like this isn't for us because everybody they go up to and try to do whatever the hell they're doing, they get shot down real quick. Like, yeah, no. So no, in a sense, no, we don't tell people outside of that one couple. We don't tell people you can't come to our stuff. And we don't tell people they can't do anything. Or we don't, and we don't say don't ever go to anything else, you know, because you're not the kind of people that need to be in the lifestyle. That's for them to figure out. There has been newbies where I've had to uh, take them aside, like, listen, don't do not do that. It's not the right approach. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, you're doing, actually, the last uh, mingler we just had at Rick's, I, that one girl was like, oh, she really wasn't with our group. She was a stripper who came in to do something else and saw swingers. And she was like, holy shit. So she commenced to grabbing girls' butts. And I was like, hey, what are you doing? Stop. And I took her aside and talked to her. She was, well, I thought everybody was swingers. I'm like, we are? Well, then why are they getting mad if I grab their ass? I'm like going, did you say hi to them? No. If you're at Walmart, do you want somebody to walk up and grab your ass? No. Well, then why do you think it's okay here? But I'm a stripper. You're not a stripper right now. And she's like, oh, yeah. And I'm like going, and the strippers don't do that. She goes, okay, well, how do we get into this? I said, how about walking up and saying hi, for starters? And then I was like, find a girl you think is pretty, go up, say hi, talk to her, ask her if you can touch her butt, give it a shot. So she immediately turns around, not knowing who Angie is, and goes, hi, and starts talking to Angie. <laughs> then she's grabbing Angie's butt. I'm like going, she's like, it works. She did that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, what do you say? Eventually, the people that follow you have come to your meet and greets, your minglers, your pub crawls, or your clubs. They, they generally take the same vibe from the hosting couple, if that makes sense. Same thing for a house party. 
if you want to go to a house party, you look at or the host, the kind of people that you want to hang out with on a regular basis, whether you play with them or not, it, they're going to bring in those type of people. So, Well, and I think what's important to remember is when, you know, like as club owners or people that are doing the meet and greets, you know, when you're running into these couples that are maybe messaging you beforehand or they're like how nervous they are about coming, that's when you realize what's out there about our community is <laughs> is not all that great. I mean, I know even for me, I was completely freaked out about going to the club because I had all of these images of what was going to happen because of how they stereotype what a swinger is. It's, it is. It's like there's no boundaries and everybody's just piling on top of everybody and it's all about this end goal of sex and it's just sex, 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 which, you know, I guess for some people it can be that, but for me, what I'm finding in, in the nine years that I've been involved in it, the largest portion of people that are interested in doing this has much more to do with their relationship, with their marriage, with something that they're wanting to add to that than it is at all about sex. Sex almost gets to be like the bonus to this other thing that, that gets to happen. So when when we can create these atmospheres to kind of destigmatize what our community is by having these meet and greets, by having you know the club or, or open love where we can talk to them about, look, you're not, no, yeah. no, 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 you're not going to walk into the club and have some kind of initiation thing. This isn't like a frat house or a sorority. I mean, you're not going to have to do anything weird you know there's not some process you can just come in and you're going to find that these are just normal people but there's there's so much out there to try to delegitimize who we are and so i for me i feel like my job if if i had any kind of a job is to try to de-escalate that and, and show people no let you know and maybe that's why I was just talking about it like this is what I do what I do is so great why would I want to keep that a secret yeah I mean that's a it's a really it's a good point you know that you are I guess fighting a bit of an uphill battle right actually on the drive over here there was a brand new article released today in in style and so what I have also noticed along with you know there is still stigma out there in mainstream media I mean um you know, especially we, we saw it around the world multiple times over the last 12 months. But what I've also noticed is that there are a lot more positive articles coming out in mainstream media. I mean, the, the fact that this this article was written from a very balanced perspective in InStyle today, it talked about communication with your partner, how to strengthen your relationship. It spoke about rules and boundaries, what to expect, and in a very healthy way from people that the author was interviewing, um, you know, sex educators and was spending a bit of time with people that live in the lifestyle and, and coming out in a very balanced and, and positive way. And I think that's been a huge shift that I've even seen over the last few years. You're right. It's a huge shift. The, the scientific studies that are coming out aren't, aren't even as stigmatized as they were, where they would lean the study one direction even before they've started the study. So it's, it is great to see that the numbers, that's what I find astounding is, you know, we talk about, you know, your standard relationship model, but if you actually get underneath that bed sheet and you start really asking people, you find out there's a massive percentage of the population that would actually 
kind of like to do this. <laughs> but, you know, when you've got people that are going to not want to have anything to do with you or say that they're not going to want to have anything to do with you if you do this, you know, you're going to be excommunicated from the community if you do this. You know, that's that's that can be a hard road for somebody to want to cross over. Or, or you know, you can still lose your job. You still have these morality clauses mm-hmm. that you have to sign, which I think is so ludicrous. If I could do anything, it would be to try to get that kind of a <laughs> idiot thing off of the table. You know, because the truth of it is, if you ask people, they're going to say, yeah, I've, I've thought about that. I've thought about consensual non-monogamy. I've thought about a threesome. I've thought about this. I mean, huge portions of the population. My problem with the whole excommunicating people and things is the fact that they don't usually follow through with it. I'm like, you said you'd stop talking to me. God dang it. Follow <laughs> through with what you said. <laughs> You promised. <laughs> well, and that's the you know that's the thing. That's a that's a great point. You know, there's this threat. There's this level of a threat to people. But the reality of it is, is that's not always the case. I mean, it's you know, you realize there's this level of expectation that society says that they have of us, and it can be religion or society or government. It says this is how you know this is the best mode of transportation for success for us as a community. But that's not really true. But they they want you to believe that that's true, and they want you to believe that if you do anything that deviates from that, it's going to cause mass chaos and, you know, cats and dogs are going to be hooking up. I mean, you know, they just, they have cats this and dogs horrible... Cats hook up. We just They may, know. they may. <laughs> you know, so it's... <laughs> I guess it takes... You know, I think the more the more scientific studies that come out, the more we have people like Jane Angie that do the meet and greets, the more, you know, club owners, um, you know, the more we speak out. It's it's a lot like the LGBTQ community, which actually I we're a part of that. You know, this pride in what we do and, you know, to, to really say, no, this has been a massive effect on my relationship and my marriage, and I love it, and it's the best thing I've ever had. The more we can get people to do that, then, you know, it's going to be pretty hard to taunt somebody or to tell them what they're doing is wrong if they're like, no. Problem is, we, it's so much easier to hide what we're doing. and Well, we've been taught our entire life to hide what we're doing. Whether we need to or not, that's not what I'm getting. I just meant it's so much easier the uh, the LGBTQ community when they they don't have a choice they they this is them they want to date people they want to be able to be open they want to have the relationships that we can have as heterosexuals out they want to be able to get bank loans and be taken seriously yeah, in society, society. I mean Jesus yeah this is stuff that they were forced to do this and so happy well not happy that they were forced to do it and they had to do all this happy stuff but I'm happy that it succeeded and it could do the same for us just it's way easier for us not to be stepped forward and not to take the chance. Because for some of us, it doesn't take away from our normal The reward is it is big. Yeah. Well, and we're also told, we're also led to believe that this is an activity that we've chosen. Do you have your hand raised? Are you wanting to say something? You you better jump in, buddy. Uh, I'm telling you. (laughs) A couple of things. First of all. So anyway, about the squirrels outside. (laughs) 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 Oh, John's pouting. You know, Kate, you mentioned that people in the LGBT community would like to be able to get loans. Well, people in in our lifestyle and consensual non-monogamy would like to be able to as well. And recently, cancel one of my bank accounts 
because it's a club that caters to people in conceptually non-monogamous relationships. And I found out just very last minute, it, it's, it's, it, it makes me so emotional because I feel you just see how much people don't understand and how they, they it's almost like they hate us or something like that. It's, it's so discriminatory and, 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 and bigoted. And, uh, you know, I tried to talk to them about it. We can't discuss it with you. It's just done. It's over. We're closing the account. And I had a couple of days to find another account to keep our place open so people like us could come there and socialize. It's, it's, just, it's just a crock of shit, and it just pisses me off so bad to, to no end. And it's not the first time it's happened. It happened years ago with a number of my clubs, and uh, I really thought we were past that, but we're not. And it just we still have to keep pushing forward and fighting that, for well, sure. So I really want to talk to you specifically, John, about things that have changed in your club, but I, I love the thread that we're talking about because Stripe actually cancelled my main um, payment processor. They cancelled my account and held my funds in there for 30 days um, with zero warning. I, um, they, they quoted that I was breaking their terms of uh, service and terms of conditions, and um, I wasn't. There was, they, they classified me as pornography. And it was specifically about my event site. Now, my event site, nowhere on my site does it mention sex, pornography. It does not, not have any lewd images. I mean, my main image is an astro girl. There was no pornography on my site at all. So I did submit an appeal and they came back and uh, they just basically said, sorry, you're breaking term five, which was pornography. And they just wouldn't even show me where. And so they, they canceled my account. They held my funds. And since then, I've been fighting an uphill battle. Just this morning on the way here, I was finally approved with authorized.net to be able to process funds but even that i mean eventbrite have been holding my funds for 12 months Jeez. just yesterday they agreed to to release my my funds and, and i'm talking about my whole hotel takeover funds wow. wow that they've been holding um it is it is irritating and i mean even getting lawyers to work with us last year when we canceled our event was ridiculous and i paid three times what you would pay any lawyer because we were high risk and that's just the reality so my after my long rant my question to you is Yes, there's morality clauses and not everybody can can do this, but what do you think that we should do or could do a responsibility to have to be in the public eye, like Open Love 101, representing, hey, we're not some trolls under a bridge here, we're not, you know, dregs of society, we're legitimate businesses, we're legitimate people. What responsibility do we have to maybe be out on social media presenting and like Jay and Angie and stuff like that? You know, I think it's really tough for some people because they could lose their job. And uh, church is important to a lot of people, and they could get kicked out of their church. But, you know, I think the the gay community went through the same process at some time, and it just takes people like us that are out doing this and, and being out to help lead the way. And uh, eventually more and more people will, will you know, join us. And, and Jackie and I meet all the time couples that, that aren't, they don't have the fear that some couples have. And so, you know, we can do things with them out. And it's just a slow process. I, I don't think there's anything we can do to hurry it up. We just have to keep doing what we're doing. You know, I'm also in some, some pretty major court battles over taxing us here in Texas as a sexually oriented business by a definition which we don't meet. And so we now have a case in the district court and the state appealed it. So now we're in the appellate court. And then so much time went by after they um, uh, did this I'm air quotes, uh, audit on me by putting someone in the parking lot and counting people coming in and then taking that for the period of time I've been open, not taking into consideration that when we first opened, maybe only a handful of people came in and they send me a bill for a million dollars 
And so now we have to either pay it or appeal that. And so we had to go to, you know, ask for a redetermination hearing. It's really, it's, I don't know, it's just insane how they can, they just, they won't even sit down and talk to us about what we are and, and, and what we're trying to do and how it's more than just, it's not, it's, it's about relationships of people. It's a community. It really is. And so I get what you're saying. And, and they probably sat in the parking lot on a Saturday night at 10, 30, 11 p.m., when there was an amazing party happening that was something hosted. Do you know what I mean? It's not like they're sitting there on a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday, right? No. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're doing all these things, you know, fighting it from all angles. So now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sending letters to, to bank officers. I'm, you know, we're in the court system. Uh, I've got lobbyists working our case. And then, you know, just helping people that are curious about the lifestyle because they have this desire to open up their marriage, and so helping them, and I, I think that's that's the number one way. The more people that we can help learn how to have this kind of relationship and to to do it without shame, without feeling shame, that that's going to be the key. And I think so. The more that come into our group and our in our, our community grows, the better chance we have of, of making headway in the future because there'll be more and more of those people that are willing to be out. And you know, and it's so astounding to me. So here's this relationship model, you know, a way that people are able to uh, work together with their partner to build a really strong relationship. And what's really sad to me is how many people in society that don't want that to work. I mean, it's like, no, you can't, we don't want to see you guys succeed. I mean, it's, it's bizarre. It's like, why aren't we like doing this applauding thing? Like I'm so proud of any couple that is really intentful and consciously working together to build the relationship that they want. But then they have all these people on the in the arena on the sidelines going, "No, no, you have to do it this way." Yeah, but I don't want to do it that way. Well, and they don't want to do it that way. So who's they, to tell them to that's do the it? That's problem, Well, and that's the other thing too. You need to come over here and be miserable with the rest of us. What the hell do you think you're doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, do, I do I do agree that we we as a as a promoters of either a meet and greet pub crawl or uh, club owners or even podcasters we have to we have to be good and better at bringing out the positivity but also keeping it a little bit real so yes sometimes it doesn't work out the way everybody thinks it does and there are some people who do have a negative experience but if we're out there i think the way for us to do it is to make sure that like I make him dress up for our meet and greets. It's it's positive experience that they they get somebody good to talk to up front and have somebody that they can talk to at a later time and email or all these questions. You know, be able to answer them in a positive way. A thing everybody can do is if uh, if you're not going to lose your livelihood, you're you're, you're not going to it's not going to affect you financially or anything like that. If the only thing you're worried about coming out is your family's going to reject you or anything like that. Come out. Your family needs to know that you are one of us. That'll help them accept other people like us doing what we're doing. And everybody does that. Just it. And honestly, if, if you have children and you're worried about your children rejecting you, you raise those children. You raise them to not like the person that you are. What? That's fucked up. That's a great point. You know, I just, just last night when, when we were at the club, I had a lady come up to me and at first it kind of took me back because she was saying, I really loved the seminar that you gave. And I'm thinking, I haven't given a seminar in a while, especially with COVID and everything. I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, she was talking about when the, the last time we had spoken at uh, Naughty and Nolens in, in New Orleans, like whenever that was, 
where I was talking about, you know, not being afraid to be who you are and to be that out loud and that, you know, your kids are, you've got to trust that your kids are going to understand. And if they don't, I mean, you still have to be strong enough with the choices that you're making to, to stand for. If they don't understand, they're the ones that really need yeah. to hear it. And so she was like, I just have to tell you, I was like so nervous to tell my daughter, cause, and it's going to make me cry. She goes, I was so nervous to tell her because I thought she was not going to approve. But as soon as the mom said, this is who I am, the daughter was like, oh, my God. <laughs> because the daughter had been going through a bunch of stuff exactly. and needed somebody to talk to. It's like, Jesus. I said, this is what is so sad, is that we have created a society that makes it hard to be honest. I mean, what the fuck is wrong with us? <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think I actually know who that was, actually. I'm pretty sure that was Tammy. Yes. Um, yeah, because so I actually, that was their first event. And the meet and greet last night was their second event. And they're very shy, they're very nervous. And when they came in, I said, here's your task tonight. I want you to talk to two people. I know that's hard, like, because they're a bit introverted. And then I saw them down playing pool, so I went and stood with them. Um, and that's when I sent her over to you, and I knew after she got out of that seminar, she texted me, and she spoke about – that's why I know exactly what it is. She spoke about what you spoke about, and then I think a couple of weeks later, she texted me again, and she's like, I'm on my way to see my daughter. We're going for lunch or whatever she was doing. She's texting me. And then she texted me directly after, and she's like, holy shit, this just happened. <laughs> and um, it's been amazing even just experiencing them. And actually last night they had such a welcoming time – they're actually coming back tonight to go to Colette. Nice. Oh, that's great. And so this will be their, again, their first big club environment. And it just goes to show you that from that person who bravely came to a seminar where you probably were just talking from your heart, didn't really understand the impact you had, to that progression. And that's just on one person, one couple, one family. Yeah. With a daughter now, you know, that's, it is a domino effect. Um, it is. Feels that she can now explore maybe her own sexuality. You know, it's, it's crazy. Well, you've met our kids several times at this point. Kate and I met your grandbabies. Like I'm, I'm in deep. <laughs> I'm in deep with the Jay and Angie family. I was in the- <laughs> so I mean, the idea of our kids rejecting anything we talk to them about is just ludicrous. But Angie was still shaking visibly when she was telling our daughter that we're, you know, in the lifestyle we have sex with other people, and she was telling her this because her friend was asking questions, and her friend obviously needed some guidance. She was in from college, which is. I'm like, oh, we can't talk to her about what she needs until we tell our daughter about we how we know yeah. and what, why, you know, we can help her. Because she was going through a whole thing about um, her sexuality and her dad, worried, she was worried about her father not accepting her being gay, and she wanted to talk to us. And for some reason, she was there for six weeks, and she figured out really quick that I can talk to these people about crap. So there was other stuff we wanted to say and be completely honest with her so we could help her. We needed to tell Kelsey first. But Angie, knowing our kids, still visibly shaking when she was telling her. And our daughter's only thing was, you guys are still okay, right? Yeah. All right. Have fun. <laughs> that was it. And then now our daughter sends so many different people to us to our email or whatever. Like, my mom and dad can help with that. They're like, yeah. what? <laughs> they can. Trust me. Yeah. They can. And then I send them on yeah. to your guys' site or somebody else's, BDSM, whatever the hell to help yeah. them. But just telling... Our daughter has been a huge spokesman for the lifestyle because she says right off the bat, I think I want monogamy. Yeah. I'm not into this, yeah. but. But I understand. Yeah. 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 She's, yeah. She's one of those. She's like, I, I think I could only be with one person. And I said, that is perfectly acceptable. We're not telling you this is what you have to do. This is telling, we're telling you who we are. 
We're showing you the path. We're showing you the options and the multiple pathways. Yes, yes. And you get you don't to have walk to go your own in path with the full knowledge that you could have turned right, not right. that you had to keep going straight. Right. That I think that's the big difference here. Yeah. Um, and the other thing too, actually, you just touched on um, Jay was you give the person other resources, and I think that's a really powerful thing too. The fact that there is now so so many more people that are publishing information about the lifestyle and, and positivity about relationships. It's so easy now for me. I get an email and someone says, hey, I am religious and I, I'm not. And I instantly go, here's five podcasts that have specifically spoken about religion. Here's three blogs. Go and consume those. Or someone will say, hey, we're really into kink and, uh, you know, dom-sub relationships. And I'll be like, go over here. You know, it, it, it's it's great. It makes it a hell of a lot easier for me. <laughs> so I can just kind of say, here, go here, here, and here. <laughs> so I think that's one of the things as well that we get to do that, you know, now. I think also you're not giving advice, um, guessing advice. You're not guessing yeah. on something. So you, exactly. you know these, these podcasters, bloggers, um, you know that they, 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 you know their relationships, you know they kind of specialize in them. So that's mm-hmm. just easier for your Or even them. events now. You know, there's yes. events as well that really specialize in, in different things. All right, let's let's kind of go backwards and John, the the club environment in particular. What shift have you seen in the people that are coming into the club and the way that they're approaching things, or their expectations on the club or you know, are they asking the same questions? What's happening there? Yeah, so I, I think the questions are probably the same. When we first started opening clubs in the in the late 90s, well back then, I mean our main way to reach people to get them to the clubs was this little magazine called swingers and you would put these it was it was in the uh in the adult bookstores and things like that yeah did you <laughs> well, and, and playboy forums they would used to advertise in those right i just love it they're like what should we call our thing well swingers well hello captain obvious that is, <laughs> yeah low-hanging fruit we had a little ad in there and then i remember the first time i found an aol chat room I could make my own AOL chat room and how we started reaching people that way. It was like, I, I, I got to my club. I'm like, look at this. You can talk to people on the computer. It was just, it just blew my mind. And, and that's where we really saw a change in attracting people that weren't picking up a magazine in a, in a, in a porn shop. We were reaching more of people that were just regular people that had a curiosity, but they didn't, they didn't know where they could, could learn more about it or experiment with it. And so that's where we saw the big change. Today, I think the people are the same and the questions are the same. We're seeing more and more younger people that are coming in, I think maybe partly because of the way we market. And you're seeing a lot of promoters marketing in a similar way. Maybe they're they're putting together an event that's that's based on music, but it's really a sexy atmosphere, you know, a topless pool party or something like that. And which, which I've done as well over the years, had, you know, pool parties where they were clothing optional and it was, it was music based. The DJs were incredible. And there's a certain segment of our, of people in the lifestyle, just like with people in, in just mainstream, uh, that like house music. So you can, you can bring in new people that way and they can be exposed to the people that are more open minded and then they can make a decision on their own, just like, you know, your, your, your kids' friends that can decide, well, I can go this way or I can go this way. And it's just really a great way to expose them to the lifestyle. Our clubs do the same thing today. We really try and reach a, a wider group of people. Uh, the, when you first come into the clubs, it's very welcoming. It's just it feels like you're just going to a regular nightclub, 
And some people last night at the at the meet and greet were saying the same thing. They're like, you know, we're over here at this at this bar, but we can't wait to see what it's like next door where the swingers are. I'm like, are you kidding me? Everybody in here is a swinger. <laughs> they're like, what? I'm like, yeah. They're just, it's, it's, just it's the same people. thing. Yeah. The same thing. The only difference is you have a playroom, essentially. That's right. it. That's the only difference. The only difference. Well, and I see it, it seems like for me, and I, I, you know, I haven't been in this as long as you have, John, but it seems like to me, I'm meeting a lot of couples that are coming into the club that are kind of fit in that empty nesters category. You know, they've been married for a decade or two. You know, like they, it's been the two of them for, for a long haul. And now all of a sudden somebody, one of them brought it up and they're like, heck yes. Well, they probably, you know, let's the kids give it a try. Out. The kids That's have moved And now out. they got to figure out what they're, the hell to do with they're, themselves. They're ready to kind of focus on themselves. And so it's interesting that that focus on themselves brings them to a place where they really get to to do that. It is funny because I used to think that the the age and the lifestyle was a bell curve, right? So obviously younger people here and then older people there. So less and then the bulk was maybe those empty nesters that are now just starting to go, let's explore. What I'm seeing now though is more younger people and then honestly a lull around the early 30s area where they might be then starting a new family. So I'm seeing this spike up here and then back down and then back up again. Um, so I think that's a, that's interesting. You know, when I see people that are coming into the lifestyle that are like 31, 32, I think they probably are going to start having a harder time finding people of that same age group, you know, as opposed to maybe younger or older. But It's difficult to be in the lifestyle when you have kids at home. I mean, first of all, you can't, you're probably not going to play in your house. So you're going to have to go out. So it means getting a babysitter. And I talked to a couple last night and it's their first time out since, uh, 2019. And they're definitely in the lifestyle, but they have all this kid stuff going on. They haven't been able to get out. I think they have six kids. So when you have that many kids, it makes it really difficult to get out and, and, and to be yourself. So they have to find other ways to, to do that. But uh, I definitely see it happen a lot where the, the family, the parents that are in the lifestyle that have younger kids, they really don't play as often. And once they're gone, though, it's it, absolutely they, they're out there every weekend at that point. I had given my a friend of mine years ago some advice that she, her and her husband, they had kids young, and um, vanilla friends, and um, I said, well, once your kids grow up and move out, what are you two going to do? She goes, I don't know. I said, well, you need to make sure you're still a couple and not just parents because people get or, lost or in that. Yeah. They get they become parents and they they lose that. We're still a couple. We're still married. You know, we're still somebody together, not just parents. And um, she had to figure that out, and she's like. We've done, we're doing things now that they've been empty nesters almost two years, I think. And she goes, we do everything together. It's like dating all over again. And I'm like, that's just a vanilla person. So I can't imagine that if they, that them or anybody like them find themselves dating again as a, as an older couple, an empty nester, I'm, I'm hoping that they go and find something like awesome, like the lifestyle. If not, they're, they're adding whatever value they can to their relationship. And that makes me happy because now they they are still a couple they're not yeah, a divorce you know what i'm saying so i just don't want to I, I don't like to see people divorce because i don't feel like i feel like if you can work it out and it's supposed to be and it can be worked out then that's great but don't just be parents uh, you know be a couple <laughs> yeah i agree hey let's uh let's maybe change it a little bit and let's talk about the future because i like predictions <laughs> So I'll start with you, John. Um, let's talk about the prediction for the club. So I think what I've seen, please weigh in on this, is within the club environment, it has changed from just a place to go on a Friday night or a Saturday night to find someone to hook up with 
tubing much more broader uh, of a community. You know, there's things coming in now, like you said, different kinds of events at the club, different seminars even, or, you know, meet and greet beforehand, go to the club after. But what do you think you're going to see in 2022, 2023? Or how are you adapting, I guess, to these new people that are coming in? Are you thinking of any changes? Are you going to start, I don't know, bringing in some sort of social media wall into the club? (laughs) It's a big swiping machine in the club. You have to check in with your face and swipe on the actual board. (laughs) That'd be kind of cool. That would be kind of cool. You'd have like a big wall of who all's there. Yeah. I think... Uh, the clubs are growing. Our numbers are growing in all the clubs, especially the newer ones. It really takes a long time to build um, a, a good base because it's a private club. So to build that that base of members, you have a number of people that have families, so they can only come out once every couple of months. And so you have to have a lot of those people to make your clubs busy. So we're really beginning to see the growth. Um, the clubs, we're looking at expanding into some other markets. So I, I see some expansion on the horizon. Uh, our membership system, I've looked for ways over the years to make it easier to get in, you know, a palm print or something like that. And we're still looking at those types of things to make it easier as a member to get in the club without having to go through um, the, the line where you can just walk up and it will charge your credit card automatically. You know, when we first opened, hardly anybody used credit cards. It was mostly cash. Today, hardly anybody uses cash. So it would make it easier to implement those types of systems. We do have social media walls now. Uh, I'm really seeing more and more people not being afraid of getting their picture taken in front of a step and repeat that says Colette and Open Love 101. And they're posting it on Facebook. Now, a lot of them are in private groups, but still more and more people are posting them you know, on Instagram and Facebook in, in, in the public. So you know, that's happening. And I think that's really going to help the growth and, and, and encourage people to come out, which is what we're really looking for overall. You know, more events, maybe more nights at some point. But, you know, right now I'm really satisfied with the steady growth that we're having and, and the interaction we're having. Every time Jackie and I are at the club, people will come up and say, we're here because of Open Love 101 or some other site that is educational about uh, consensual non-monogamy and they decided to come try our club first to see what it was like and they just love it. It's just so encouraging when you see people uh, that are coming into it for the very first time and seeing how they react to it and then seeing them come back. What about you, Jay? What do you think is going to happen to the lifestyle or events or anything? What's your future predictions? My future prediction is that I'm going to grab my phone whenever I find it and figure out what app Jackie's on. <laughs> <laughs> See if I can get her to swipe for me. I can, uh, that's gonna, that's, we can match. That's a very soon prediction. Very I, soon. I don't think you're going to get a super like, though. I'm just letting you know. In the future, I think more and more just younger people are going to be coming. When I say younger, the 21-year-olds, they're going to keep moving up, and it's going to – because they're starting to find it and enjoy the lifestyle. And the fact that, hey, wait, I don't have to get on an app. I don't have to go out and date one person and see if we click. I can come here and meet a bunch of people – See if I click with some of them. Because that's what our one friend, she was like, wait, how did, how did Kate get a date? She's only been here. So I don't like going, I'm like, you were, you were where she met the person. She's like, what? I was like, yeah, you were bartending, but you were there. And she goes, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, and she goes, like, yeah, it's sex because she knew what, that we, they, when they met, they knew what they were getting into. She's like, well, that's kind of interesting. But she's still like going, yeah, lifestyle, no, nope, nope, bad, nope. Badge, it's not for her. Yeah, I just but she, she thinks the term is bad. I'm like going when you go out on Tinder and you just hook up with some guy, same goddamn thing. 
Only I think probably we are more safe. That's my personal opinion on that one. But mm, okay, Angie. Future predictions? Yeah. What are your thoughts? Um, I, I over the course of I don't know maybe two or three years, two, maybe three or four years, we've seen more meet and greets, um, and we've seen more steady meet and greets, like Wednesday night minglers or. Friday, almost every Friday in DFW, you can find a meet and greet that's on a pretty large scale. Um, and then the clubs. So I think an increase in maybe meet and greets and stuff like that will, will help. More and more people hosting. More and more people, well, more and more positive people hosting um, and, and, and bringing in and having a good experience, giving more network for, for people out there. They may want to be in it. So I think that that's going to be a bigger network at, at some point. An increase in numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the trend is just going to keep going up, upward, because the face of swinging, I think, is has changed. You know, it's it's not going to be people still. Yes, are going to associate swinging with that nineteen seventies fishbowl shirt unbuttoned to the navel with the gold chains and the you know the hairy chest and you know the the women being swapped yeah i know (laughs) i have i have a a visual going on in my head yeah 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 i'm just wondering what porn she's been watching in the last 20 (laughs) hours yeah you know so i mean i think there's that i I mean i live i live with that image what am i talking about um so i you know i think it's going to move away a little bit more from just that kind of hedonistic mentality and be viewed as something tangible, real, serious, um, viable. You know, these are going to all be elements that you're going to want to have within your relationship, um, whether just for yourself or, you know, with your partner to really um, expand who you are. I think it's going to be seen as a much more natural, natural way of life. I think as the, as more scientific studies come out and are, are more prevalent in talking about how um, sexual monogamy is not something really that is something that humans embrace from a natural standpoint. Um, we so we'll have we'll have we'll have some scientific backing, which I think will. Uh, not that all scientific backing is going to legitimize what we do, but I think it's going to move it away from it being an activity that we do to something more innate. Like, of course we're doing this. This is, uh, this is, I, I can't help but do this. Um, this is how I'm designed. Of course I'm going to be attracted or interested or curious about community. I mean, that's who we are as as a species. We're a very communal species. For us to then restrict that communal side of us only in certain settings doesn't make any sense. So I think that trend will keep going up. So more like a natural progression of I, evolution for the humans? I, <laughs> yes, I think we'll, yeah. we'll actually evolve backwards to where, where yeah. we were instead of all this bull crap yeah. that we've been trying to cram down people's throats and in, in who we are. Right. Well, it's actually, so Jay and Angie are coming to Germany later this year, and so they're going to be coming to visit us in Europe in nice. September. And we're really excited. And I said to them, hey, do you guys want to go to a BDSM club? And they were like, well, it's not, it's not really a thing. And I was like, but in Europe, it's just so embraced that in, in the main city, uh, in Munich, in, directly in the city, there's five different BDSM clubs. They open at noon. They're fully signed because it is much more accepted as it's not a – 
taboo thing. It's not necessarily, oh, you go and do that on the Thursday night, like, oh, you know, you freaky person. It's just accepted as that's the relationship and the way that you choose to live your life. And so oh, hopefully, how progressive. hopefully that's, that's where we can kind of end up. Um, my prediction is kind of similar to what you were talking about before, John, in that events are evolving to less of a come to a swingers event, swingers party, and moreover to come and enjoy a more open, free, your decision, your choice based around your other hobbies like music. Um, you know, I, it, even motorcycle groups, you know, we're seeing a lot of that stuff, like just different yeah. things where hobbies. Like Burning Man, for example. Exactly. So hobbies that people have and then they just say, okay, well, you can come and you can be a, a monogamous person, but you enjoy that hobby and you just enjoy being around other people. And some people then will be non-monogamous. And I think that's what we're going to start seeing more events centered around that. It's not necessarily come and fuck. It's going to be come and meet some people. And if that's the way you're inclined, go for it. If you just want to come and dance, go for that too, you know, but being around people that are more freeing and, you know, including the LGBTQI community as well into that. Um, we just went to a drag brunch recently. And while I was there, I was like, my next event, I want to get a drag brunch at because it's just so much fun. And again, I think you can get all people from the community coming and then maybe 10% just happen to, you know, go and have sex after, but it's a choice, not the not the key ingredient, I guess. So that's what I think. Well, guys, shall we shall we wrap it up? So uh, John and Jackie, I'll let uh, you guys tell them again where you're from, but where they can find you. Anything you want to share that you've got coming up? Sure. If you're if you're curious about the lifestyle or are struggling with your relationship or just uh, you know want to hear our story, openlove101.com is the place to go. Uh, if you want to check out our clubs, they're throughout Texas, Dallas, Houston, Austin, and in New Orleans. Uh, ColetteClubs.com to check those out. We also have a dating app called Neon Dating. You can search on your Apple or your Android for Neon Dating app and, and pull that up. It's uh, it's working great, but it's a work in progress. We're making some major improvements on it in the next couple of months. And it's also a great place for Jay to sign up if he wants to find Jackie. <laughs> I, I just pointed that yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's what it is. <laughs> or any of you out there as well. <laughs> Jay, over to you, or Angie, either one. Uh, you can find us at AverageSwingers.com or just Google Average Swingers. We pop up yeah. right off We're the bat. Average Swingers on all the all the sites. and You guys pop up even not under Average Swingers. Somebody stole your identity again the other day, right? Yeah. They stole your photo. You you we're, we're on some X, what is it, zone? Swing that. zone. Swing zone in Indiana, some site called Swing Zone. There's a, that's not us if you see the picture. So you were that you were that attractive that people are like, I- I'm gonna steal this couple's photo. I enjoyed the fact that the other people they cut out of the photo were four people from the Playboy Swing Show. Oh, that's <laughs> so funny. Yeah, because I sent the picture to them. I was like, oh, look who they cut out, fucker. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I guess see where you rank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been great, and thank you so much, guys. And uh, I guess let's let's circle back in a year or two and figure out if our predictions were appropriate or. Hopefully, Jackie, we can see some progression and, and hopefully, John, we can all get bank accounts and lawyers and just run, you know, businesses and, and, and live our lives. That'd so. be a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful Thank thing. You, Kate. Appreciate I appreciate it. it. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for joining. 